Uh, when, uh, when Joe was a little boy, um, we had a uh, habit. We uh, started a Christmas Eve service when he was about maybe two years old uh, and uh, back in Missouri. And we had a habit uh, on Christmas of reading the Christmas story from the book of Luke. And uh, we found that to be a great habit. And then when we many years ago started having annual Christmas Eve services at our church, we would read at least most of the Christmas story. So I want to start this message this morning with reading the passage that's on your sheets, um, your sermon note sheets that are there and your announcement sheets. I want to read it to you and uh, Pastor Joe usually uses the New Living Translation, so I'm gonna read it out of that. Now, while I'm reading it out of that translation, my mind is thinking in the King James Version. So if I miss a word or if I substitute a strange sounding word, like a goeth or heareth or something like that, that's what happened. This is chapter two, verse seven of Luke. And you can follow along uh, as we read it together. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel assured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heavens and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. May God bless our understanding of his word this morning. Some of you, like I, have had what I call an aha moment. You've been sitting in church, or you've been in a prayer time, or you've been driving down the road in your car with a, with a Christian song coming over your sound system in your car, and all of a sudden, you had a spiritual experience, an unexpected spiritual experience, something you didn't expect. And at that moment, you didn't know what to do because you had never felt closer to God. And yet at the same time, you had never felt more unworthy. Like, 
How could this happen to me? I remember one time I was, I'd been out on a 17 night preaching rally tour and was headed home going down US 60 highway on my way to Springfield, Missouri. And all of a sudden there, a, a song came over the radio and I listened to it. And as I listened to it, the power of God filled my car, filled my heart. I had to pull the car to the side of the road, but I can remember it so distinctly this day. It's like it just happened yesterday because that was one of those moments that God spoke to me so intensely that it changed the course of our family's life. Actually, it was because of that moment in that car that Pastor Joe was born in Manila, Philippines and not in Springfield, Missouri, like our other two sons were. There, there, there's a possibility that this morning, right now in this service, God could open your eyes by his Holy Spirit and you could have an aha moment. We sometimes call these aha moments epiphanies, epiphany. Now, epiphany has one meaning in the Roman Catholic Church. It has another meaning in the, in the Greek Orthodox or the Eastern Orthodox Church. But usually when we use it in English, we mean a moment of the manifestation of God in our lives. It's like a moment when God intercepts us and all of a sudden our eyes are open to something we have never understood or seen before. That's what this Bible passage is all about. It's about an epiphany for this group of shepherds. And I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to put, I'm going to give a setting to it. Now it begins with Mary giving birth in a cave in Jerusalem. All right. If you go to the church of the nativity in, in Bethlehem right now, in a cave in Bethlehem, I should say, if you take a Holy Land trip and you go to the church of the nativity in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, by the way, is under Palestinian control or the, a lot of Palestinians live there, not under, it's not under the Palestinian authority, but it's, it's, it's filled with Palestinians. The first thing you'll notice when you go into the Bethlehem is the gift shop on the right-hand side of the road where all the Christians stop and buy all the stuff that they want to buy. When we stopped there, we bought 700 olive wood communion cups to bring home to our church back in Missouri. And uh, uh, then we got to the airport in Tel Aviv and they could not understand why anyone would want 700 wooden olive wood cups, but we had a purpose for them. But we stopped there and then we went on to the church of the nativity. When you go to that church, what they'll do is underneath the altar. And in a Catholic church, you understand the altar is where the big table is, where the priest prepares and serves the communion. Well, underneath that altar, that elevated altar, there is a cave. You go down some fairly narrow steps. You go down into the cave. And when you get it into the bottom of the cave or there at the cave, what that cave is, is the place where Jesus was born. And right in the middle of the floor, there is a brass marker. Now, Doris and I were led by this, by this lady. Uh, she was a secular Jew. If she were a Christian, we'd call her backslidden. But I don't know that that works for Jews. <laughs> Someone maybe who had been of the faith, but wasn't really of the faith. She had a PhD in East African studies. She was as smart as a whip. She was, she never told any of the stories about the Holy Land as pure fact. She would say, it is said, or history records, or this. But when we got to this place, she looked at that brass plaque in the ground, this lady, and she said, there is an unbroken historical record. This is the spot where Jesus was born. 
You can go to that spot today. So this is where that story starts on that spot that is now covered by the church of the nativity in the city of Bethlehem in, in Israel. So from that spot, that's where it happened. Now, when you stand in Jerusalem and you look to the south, I think I'm looking to the south, close to the south now. When you stand in Jerusalem and you look to the south, what you see are the Judean hills. They're not pretty, unless you like brown. And I mean, I like brown, but this is kind of an old dusty, sandy brown. And all those hills, they're all at about the same height as Jerusalem. Jerusalem's about 2,500 feet above sea level. And these heights, these hills are all about that height, some a little taller, some a little shorter. But they're all brown because it's, it's essentially desert. It's the beginning of the, of the Negev. It's, it's the, the desert that's to the south of Israel. The only place you see green on these hills is where there's water. So every so often there's a, there's a spring that springs up or a river that springs up and, and wherever it springs, they're so, these hills are so rich in nutrients that wherever the water touches the soil, it sprouts green. Now, in Jesus' day, in the time that it's talking about in our story, there were shepherds and the shepherds had their flocks out in these Judean hills and they were taking their flocks from one green spot to the next green spot, to the next green spot, to feed and to get water. And when night would come, when night would start to come, they would find a convenient little cave or a dugout in the rock somewhere, and they would, they would urge their animals, their sheep, back into that cave. They would cover as much as they could the front of the cave, and then they would sit outside the cave and keep watch so that the bears or the wolves or the whatever kind of predators they had would not come and get their sheep out of the cave. Now these men were not sissies. They fought off mountain lions and they fought off bears and they fought off wolves. They were not in any way afraid of the elements because it was their job to protect their sheep. Now it was 2,500 feet or, or more above sea level, so it was at night and they built a fire. And I, I, I doesn't say that in the Bible, but I added that because I know men. And if men are going to sit around at 2,500 feet above sea level, they're going to build a fire. So they're sitting around this fire. And their sheep are secure in the little coat, in the little place that they had made for their sheep. So they're around the fire doing what men do when they sit around the fire, trying to tell stories that top the last guy that told the story. And then the next guy tells a story and, and they're sharing their histories and telling all about what they found out during the week. They had no clue what was about to happen. Not one, no clue. They didn't know what had happened on that spot over in that cave, that stable where horses were kept in Bethlehem. They had no clue. They were just staying alert, saying, hey, let's stay awake because, you know, we got to protect our sheep. We don't want anything to come against them. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says, then suddenly... In the flash of an eye, in a moment, in a nanosecond, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. 
They're in the dark. There's no electric light. The only light is the fire. There's not a town for miles. There's no, there are no houses for miles. There's no other source of light when all of us, a sudden, in a moment, suddenly, the whole place was shrouded in a great light. They expected a wolf. They expected a pack of wild dogs. They did not expect an angel. It was beyond anything they could have thought of. Now, by definition, an angel is a messenger of God. A messenger of God. That's what the name means. That's what it implies to us. And this angel had a message to bring to them. Now, put yourself in their shoes. Out in the dark, up in the mountains, nothing around. And all of a sudden, an angel from heaven interrupts your evening, stops you short. What would you feel? Now, I know some of you are spiritual giants, and you would just say, yeah, I'd just stand up, shake that angel's hand. <laughs> yeah, after you wet your britches, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how brave you are. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says they were terrified. This message is from fear to faith. And this is the point at which these, these shepherds who were brave enough to fight wolves and bears, they were scared to death because they were facing something they had never faced before. The original Bible language here where it says they were terrified says they, they feared a great fear. They were terrified with a great fear, something beyond any natural feeling. They were simply paralyzed by fear. They couldn't even move, according to what the Bible says in the language it uses. They were afraid. Now, do you get the picture? These men who protected their sheep from the mountain lion knew what to do, but they didn't know what to do when an angel came. They knew how to fight wolves and fight bears, but they didn't know how to react when an angel got the best of them. They couldn't move. The scripture then says that the angel reassured them. And the angel said this, don't be afraid. Okay. <laughs> how many times have you been in a scary situation and somebody said, no, don't, don't be afraid. And right then, they're, they're betwixt and between. They're, they, they, they know what they're seeing and they know what they're hearing, but they're terrified. Their movement from fear to faith is going to take a while. In fact, it's going to take a trip to Bethlehem. We'll get into that in just a moment. It's not going to be instant. So in the, they're in this process of trying to believe their very eyes while they try to believe what the angel said. Don't be afraid. Well, then the angel just very calmly began to talk to them. And the angel says, I'm going to give you the greatest news you have ever heard. This is the greatest news you've ever heard or ever will hear. And when I give you this news, all of a sudden, your entire life is going to be filled with joy. 
That's why you came to church this morning. I know some, some of you came because you were drugged here by somebody who wanted you to be here. And some of you came because you were bribed with a good lunch after church or, or maybe like my grandkids, you were bribed with a treat by a treat from, from Panera knowing that when I got here, I'd have the treat in my hand. Uh, I don't know. I don't exactly how you got here or why you're here, but I, I can tell you this. There's some news coming out of the word of God this morning that is the greatest news you have ever heard or will ever hear. I guarantee you what you are hearing about Jesus this morning could not be any better. It might be delivered by a better preacher, but it couldn't be any better because the greatest news we could ever receive is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh and was born of a virgin and wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. It's the greatest news ever. The angel then said, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, has just been born. Now, Savior, that's a word that the, that the Jews might not have used quite as often, although it's used in the Old Testament to describe the Messiah. But they were really stuck on this word Messiah. The word Messiah means in the Old Testament what the word Christ means in the New Testament. It's, it's an equivalent word, and it means the anointed one of God. The anointed one of God. The Lord the, the word Lord in the Old Testament is the word Adonai. And it's the word that the Jews used in place of using the word God. They were afraid to use the word God because they didn't want to in any way swear. Because swearing was, a, was punishable in God's eyes. You, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And, and they, so they avoided using Jehovah or Yahweh and used the word Lord. So I think the, the, the shepherds understood this message, but it's, it's in three parts. This one who's going to save, this one who's going to be the very image of God, this one who's going to be God himself with you, has just been born in Bethlehem. And they're wondering, okay, okay, we, we're hearing it, we're seeing it. What does this have to do with us? Well, here's how you'll find him, the angel said. You'll find him wrapped in claws. We call it swaddling clothes in the old King James Version English. And you'll find him placed in a stable, in a manger, in that stable over in Bethlehem. Well, they happen to know where that stable was in Bethlehem. There must not have been, Beth Bethlehem was a village. There must not have been very many stables so they must have known immediately that it was referring to that cave, that, that, that natural place where the horses or, or other animals could be put for the night while their owner stayed in a borrowed room somewhere. If I place myself in the shoes of the shepherds, here's what I'm thinking right about now. I'm trying to process what I'm seeing and I'm trying to process what I'm hearing. Now, had they been in the synagogue at all in their lifetime, they would have heard passages of Scripture read from the book of Isaiah about the coming Christ. He would be born in Bethlehem. It would say that. He would be called Wonderful, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They had probably heard those scriptures read, but they had probably heard them read more than once, time and again, and it become old hat to them, and they weren't really expecting the Messiah, although they have heard that at some point he would appear. But in a stable? 
placed in a, in a food trough, in a hay trough, in a manger? Well, who would have thought that? That wasn't quite what they had been taught or what they had heard. So they're still thinking about this. You know, okay, we're processing this information. We've got this bright light around us. We've got this humongous angel standing in the midst of us speaking with authority. And he's telling us about a savior born in Bethlehem and late being in a stable and being laid in a manger. And so while they're thinking about processing, their minds are whirling, thinking about all this, then suddenly... The one angel turned into a vast host of angels. And those angels were joined by what the scripture calls the armies of heaven. Now in front of them, right in front of their face, as far as they could see, are heavenly beings. And light as far. The Judean hillside was lit up by the presence. And the shepherds looked up and saw all of that. The magnitude of it. Very few people ever saw. You've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. At that moment, these shepherds had a glimpse into heaven. Not that they saw past the pearly gates. It is that heaven stepped outside the pearly gates and came and stood in time and space right before them. They had a glimpse into heaven. Now, if you could just picture, uh, you've seen the Mormon Tabernacle Choir on, on TV. It's on this time of year on repeats, a lot of repeat things, singing all kinds of Christmas carols, the, the humongous 300 voice or more choir, 500 voice choir. Well, if you could picture a choir, not of three or 400, but a choir of thousands, Suspended up in the clouds. Uh, and if you could picture a sound system, a sound system so big you could hear it from five miles away, 30,000 feet or 25,000 feet up in the heavens. A sound system that could literally rattle the earth. And that's what it was like. This choir of thou- thousands with a, with, with a way of producing sound that, that blasted a message down through the atmosphere and came to these shepherds. Whew. Now from what I can gather from scripture, these shepherds, these shepherds were hearing this. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is well pleased. And it wasn't just said once. It was being chanted by this heavenly choir. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Glory to God in the highest heaven. It was being said over and over again, probably in a rhythmic fashion by this wonderful choir. And they're hearing it. And here's what's happening. The whole time, these shepherds are having faith come into their hearts and faith come into their lives. At first they were terrified, but now they've taken another step. At least their ears and eyes are open. The magnitude of what they're seeing and what they're hearing is so great, they cannot, they cannot disregard it. And I can see as faith begins to be built inside them. And then as quickly as it started, it finished. Sound stopped, heavens closed, scenes finished, angels gone, and there sit these shepherds. 
finally, one of them spoke up. And being a man, understanding what he's saying, he'd probably said something like this. I don't know about you guys. I think I'll go to Bethlehem. And another one said, well, I think I'll go with you. And another, I think I'll go with you. Somewhere along the way, their fear had begun to turn to faith. They made sure their sheep were in a secure place because their sheep, that was their, their total assets was their sheep. They left their sheep in a guarded place and they determined to see that which the Lord has told us about. In other words, they're going to go find if what they had just heard is the truth. And so the scripture says they hurried. I don't know if you picked up a theme in this passage. If you, if you reread it again, you'll see the theme. The word suddenly has been used twice. Now the word let's go is used. And then the word hurried is used. Everything about it has this sense of urgency. So they didn't get up and mosey to use a, you know, what they would use across the border over in Kentucky. <laughs> or what we would use down in the boot heel of Missouri where I'm from. They didn't just mosey to Bethlehem. They hurried to Bethlehem. They scurried. They probably ran most of the way. Now, how far was it? I don't know. I don't know. But it's close enough for them to get there on foot. And without much time. So let's say it couldn't have been more than just a few miles. And they hurry to Bethlehem. They go with urgency. They knew where the stable was because it was probably a landmark place in Bethlehem. It certainly is now. And when they arrived at the stable, I can see them as they stop just outside. They slow their pace. They peek around the corner. And finally they step inside. And when they arrive... They saw just what the angel told them. There's a baby laying in one of the troughs where they would normally put the feed for the animals. The baby's wrapped in some rough cloths and laying there. And there's a man and a woman, some animals around probably. But when the, when the shepherds saw that sight, it's my opinion that the dam broke. And all of a sudden, out of their mouths tumbled the story about what they had just saw. I can hear them as they speak with excitement. You know, we were just staying out there. We were just sitting up by the fire. Out by, we, were we were trying to keep our animals safe. And we're just sitting out by the fire. And, nothing was happening. and all of a sudden, we saw this light. And the little one picks it up and says, yeah, and we saw this huge angel standing in the midst of the light. And then, then, and another one picked it up. Then the angel began to speak. And he talked to us and he told us about this baby. Oh, yeah, and then, and then all of a sudden the heavens were open. And, we, and they're, they're talking, they're talking so fast that they're bubbling over with information. They were telling their story from their astonished point of view. Because what they had heard was true. And their fear had turned to faith. You see, they stayed for a while. They entered into worship. They didn't, they'd never been to a worship service before where Jesus was present. 
They had to learn that all over again. It's like some of you, the first time you ever came here and this wonderful worship team got up and began to worship. They lifted their hands, they closed their eyes and, and you're like, ooh, what's going on here? And, and they're, you know, the pastor of all things is back playing drums. Whoever heard of that? He had to take his clerical collar off to do that. And, 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 and then the people all about you, they're standing. Nobody had to tell them. They just stood and, and my, they've got their eyes closed in there. What's going on here? Well, I'm telling you, when you get into the presence of Jesus, stuff begins to happen. Your fear has a way of turning to faith. Because when Jesus is revealed to you in all of his power, faith is what comes about inside your heart and soul. Well, after a while of this worship, the, the shepherds knew they had to get back. They couldn't leave their flocks. And so they, they said goodbye to Mary and Joseph, probably took one more look at the baby in the manger knowing that the angel has said, this is your Savior, your Messiah, and your Lord. And then they headed back in the way men head back after they've just scored a victory. They're punching each other. You see that? The baby looked at me. Oh, no, he looked at me. He looked at me more. He like, no! <laughs> your ugly face, who'd want to look at your... They poked each other and they're going back. The scripture says they returned to their flocks rejoicing. And they believed. They believed. Now let me make some applications. God speaks in various ways. For you that have been believers for a while, you know this you know that you can be sitting in church and the pastor can be preaching and he says a sentence, maybe not even in his notes, but he says a sentence and all of a sudden, that sentence he says hits home in your heart. You don't hear another thing he says because that sentence was your word for today. Some of you have a prayer closet at home. You, you know you've been in that prayer closet, you've been praying, that place where you pray and all of a sudden, you sense that there's a presence in the prayer closet with you. You don't have to look for that presence. You know that presence is the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, right there by yourself, without anybody else around, you have a moment in God's presence. This Sunday is the first Sunday for Pastor Matt Hafflett at the Grace Hope Church, where we've been for the last year and two months in Beaver Creek. Seven years ago, he was a drug addict. He was a felon. He had all kinds of issues. He was homeless, living in kind of a ratty old place with a bunch of other people down in Florida. And he turned on the television. And over the television came a rerun of a Billy Graham message. And that word grabbed Pastor Matt's heart. And his life 
was turned upside down right then. He took his wife, somehow made his way back to his dad's house in Ohio, moved into a little camper out in his dad's yard and began to serve Jesus. He had an aha moment in front of a rerun of a sermon. By the way, I've got a whole year of sermons on YouTube rerun if you want to listen to any of them. Grace Hope, Dayton. Not plugging them. They're just there. Whole, listening to a rerun of a sermon. Because God was there at that moment. You've come to this place this morning, some of you not even expecting what might happen, but I'm telling you, it's possible that from the first time you came in the doors out there and you were greeted so wonderfully and people shook your hands and you came to your seat and you heard the worship and now you've heard the word, it's possible that your fear of Jesus has turned to the first steps of faith in Jesus. Just like the shepherds. The lyrics of the songs, the words of a prayer, in, in a number, number of ways God can speak. He might just interrupt your day today and speak to you. This might be the best day of your life when you hear from heaven and believe Jesus is Lord and Savior. And then I know this, I know that fear is a natural response when we receive a word from God. Even for us who are veterans, and we've been in, uh, I, I've been preaching Sunday after Sunday most of the time since I was 18 years old, and I'm now 76. Even for those of us that have all that kind of experience. Sometimes the fear comes because we're not living quite right. We've strayed away. Sometimes the fear comes because we know we've broken some commandments or we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sometimes we, the fear comes because we feel like our, our relationship with God is just strained. And sometimes it's just shocking to us that God would love us so much that he would interrupt and intercept our lives and stop us. Some of you are craftsmen. You're working in the building trades or you're working in a mechanic shop and you do this, a lot the same thing over and over again. But I'm telling you, I serve a God who can stop you between the hammer and the saw and speak to you right there. Between the hod and the trowel, he can stop you right there. Between one delivery and the next in your old brown truck, he can stop you right there. I'm talking about a God who can speak to you at that moment that he wants to speak to you and all of a sudden your fear turns to faith and you come alive. The message that God sends us today is a saving message. It's a, it's a message that invites us to a better life. You see, the lives of these shepherds was changed forever. They, they were going to go on shepherding. They were going to go on working out in those old brown hills in the Judean hillsides. They were going to continue that. But their lives were going to be different because now, every night around the fire, they would tell and retell and retell the story. They had seen something so great they couldn't contain it. And that's what happens to us. When we lay down our fear and come to Jesus Christ, we have a story to tell that is so rich and powerful 
Every time we tell it, we don't have to exaggerate about it, but every time we tell it, it gets better. It's just that powerful. And then last of all, what the Lord's inviting us to do today is to come to him. Remember I said this passage had these, this, this, they use this word suddenly and right away and let's go hurriedly. But when we get to the end of a message, what we want is for people to experience what we've experienced and we want it in a hurry. So what I believe is that God can touch you now. Your fear can turn to faith. What you can do is lay your burdens at his feet. And what you'll receive back is his grace, which will make you sufficient to carry anything that he's given you to carry. And you can do that today. Let's bow our heads, please. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We've read the Christmas story time and time again. We've heard it sung and heard others read it. But we'll never read it again the same way because we'll see these words suddenly, hurriedly coming out at us. And we'll see the expediency with which this all happened. And we'll see the joy that came into the shepherds' hearts because they, came, they went from fear to faith in the matter of a couple of hours on the night of Jesus' birth. And now, a couple of thousand years later, it's still happening. Thank you, Lord, that it's still happening. When men and women can hear your word and your word becomes real to them and they turn to serve you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed and no one looking around, and you're just thinking about what you've heard this old preacher say in the last 30 plus minutes. And you're questioning, could that ever happen to me? And the answer is yes, friend. It could happen to you. So if you, my friend, if you have had the beginning of a touch in your life this morning, if faith has begun to grow in your life and you would like this to be the day that you turn your life over to Jesus Christ and believe in him as Lord and Savior. Dozens and dozens of people over the last year have done that, right? Sitting right where you're sitting in this Sunday morning service. And you can do it. And I'll pray with you. And I'll help you pray. I won't embarrass you in any way, but I'll help you pray. I would just ask that you lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm that person you're talking to this morning. Just hold it up till I see it. I'll acknowledge it. Then you can put it down. Pastor, that's me. I'm the one. I'm the one. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for those in this church service this morning who are not quite right with you. They've heard about you, know about you, but they've never given their hearts to you. And if they're here today, let this be the day when they lay their lives down before you and ask you to save them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me? Pastor Joe, could you give me the key of F or G, whichever one you want, F? Mm -hmm. 
Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord, for he alone is worthy, for he alone is worthy, for he alone is worthy. Could you just lift your hearts to God right now and give Him a praise? Just, just worship Him in spirit and in truth. We've had an opportunity to see Him this morning. I feel like I've been there in that very place. Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I'd like to say another prayer this morning. And if you have a special need, you can just lift your hand to God and join in with me during this prayer. Father, I pray for those with needs signified by the upraised hand. You can meet every need because you're the all-sufficient God. So I cry out to you, meet our needs today. Where's the, where there's sickness, may it be healed. Where there's a great financial need, may it be supplied. Where there's a broken heart, may the broken heart be mended. Where there's a rift in a family, may that rift be mended by your grace during this Christmas season. And where there's a need, may you come and reveal yourself as Lord and Master and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.